Bishop Earl and I discuss our discussion of which prophet to follow in part two of our two-part series next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Last time we began the discussion of following only the living prophet of Mormonism, and we asked the question, which one? Yeah, for all the, <laughs> all the different groups. All the different groups in Mormonism. Now, there is the prophet of each polygamy group. There's the prophet of the mainline Mormon church. And then, of course, since Jesus Christ is living and is the prophet, the Bible promises, which of these should their members follow? We briefly gave examples of each prophet beginning with Joseph Smith, but time ran out when we reached Wilford Woodruff. So now, what did Woodruff say as a prophet that answers our question, was he worthy to be followed, and did he lead people astray? We quote. From the Journal of Discourses, no wonder they don't read it anymore, <laughs> volume 18. Uh, I believe there are many children now living in the mountains of Israel who will never taste of death. That is, they will dwell on the earth at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1875. 1875. Now our viewers need to know, maybe some of you don't, that the mountains of Israel is Mormon Utah. Sure. Uh, the Mormon Church started or began uh, the foundation of their of their religion. Their premise is that they are the true Israel. And in fact, early on in their sermons, they called themselves Israel. I'm from the tribe of Ephraim. Mm -hmm. There you go. So so is Joseph Smith. You're in good company. <laughs> now, if this was a true prophecy, it would mean that there are people now living in Utah who are over 143 years old and counting because Jesus has not yet come back. Now the prophet Woodruff made that prophecy in 1875 and it reveals that he was a false prophet and we can know that because God tells us how to test if a prophet is genuine. We quote Deuteronomy 18 verses 21 and 22. You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. Now this is really a very easy test, yeah. and God expects us to do it. Woodruff also released the manifesto against polygamy, even though he was a polygamist and did not give up polygamy himself. Mm -hmm. Is that the kind of a man people should follow? Now. Let's go to Lorenzo Snow. Perhaps he would have been a better prophet to follow. But he taught one of the worst of all blasphemies, that God was once a man and that man can become a God or like God. We quote. Yeah, from the teachings of Lorenzo Snow. The Spirit of God fell upon me to a marked extent and the Lord revealed to me, just as plainly as the sun at noonday, this principle which I put in a couplet. As man now is, God once was. As God now is, man may be. Well, it wasn't the Spirit of God that fell on him that day. For sure, it was a different spirit telling the same lie that caused the devil's own destruction. And God says there is not more than one God, and if anyone should know that, God should. Yeah. And there's lots of scriptures we've yeah, chosen. Yeah, and Isaiah has several of them. This one from verse chapter 45, verses 21 and 22. And there is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none but me. 
Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is no other. Now, if there was, he would know it. And, we and would say it, and probably. Would, and would tell us, yeah, absolutely. Tell us. We, we've discussed this topic uh, in many past shows, of course, and sure. we have lots of references about the eternal danger of believing and teaching that man can become like God or become a God. It was Lucifer's lie resulting in his downfall, which he used against Eve and caused her downfall, a lie that the Mormons teach and believe. In fact, in Mormon polygamy, you cannot become become a god unless you live polygamy and that's two lies back to back jesus said the devil cannot tell the truth so we know that becoming a god or like god is a lie and they promise no prophet will lead you astray yet every one of the past and present prophets have taught the devil's lie that man can become as god and that god was once a man the bible is very much against that idea Yet Mormonism stubbornly clings to it, and millions of Mormons are led astray. We quote from the Bible again. Yeah, Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. That's clear. God's not a man. Is that clear? <laughs> Seems fairly clear. John four twenty four. In fact, God is spirit, uh-huh. and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And Luke 24, 39, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And of course, those last two are words from Jesus. And he says, God is, not, God is a spirit. Yeah. He is not flesh and bone. Spirits do not have flesh and bones and blood. That's what Jesus said. Well, let's go to the next prophet in the lineup of early Mormon prophets, Joseph F. Smith. On the screen is a classical picture of President Joseph F. Smith and his huge polygamous family. Now, this really is nothing to be proud of, yet many people in Mormonism and polygamy see this picture or in pictures like this, and they have nothing but wonderful oh, things to say. Very proud of it. Oh, they're prideful of it, yeah. their lifestyle, even though the Bible never ever commands it or commands it. But let's see if he has anything that may to say that may have led the people astray. Hmm. From Gospel Doctrine, 1986, <clears throat> Even Christ himself was not perfect at first. He received not a fullness at first, but he received grace for grace, and he continued to receive more and more until he received a fullness. Boy, they sure like to use some of these odd phrases. <laughs> but this is another heresy. Jesus wasn't perfect? Shall we believe this polygamous man, or shall we believe Jesus Christ himself? Again, we quote. Right, from John chapter 8, verses 45-46. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me? Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? And from Hebrews 4:15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Without sin. And there's many scriptures, we've only picked two, uh, to quote, that saying that Jesus was without sin. Yes. And there, there are many others. But Jesus was perfect from the very beginning. Jesus was yes. God in the flesh. And of course, he was perfect. He never sinned in word, in thought, or in deed. So is, is Joseph F. Smith worthy of anyone's trust? Is he more believable than Jesus? Remember, they taught and they still teach that the living prophet is more important than the dead prophets. And that includes biblical prophets, and of course that includes Jesus Christ. 
again from, from Brigham Young. I would rather have the living oracles, or this is from Benson, I'm sorry. I would rather have the living oracles than all the writing in the books. When he was through, Brother Joseph said to the congregation, Brother Brigham has told you the word of the Lord, and he has told you the truth. Now, this is what we quoted last time. Right, from President uh, Benson. Just for a review, we, right. we bring it up again, that both Brigham Young and Joseph Smith taught that the living oracles are more important than the standard works right. and than any of the dead prophets. Right. Notice that he said he would rather have the living oracles than all the writing in those four books, which includes the Bible. There are many thousands of words in the Bible that records what Jesus said. Yet, what Jesus said is less important than what Russell Nelson or Paul Kingston or Warren Jeffs or any of these other men say. Their words are more important than what Jesus said. It's unbelievable that they can say this, but what's even more unbelievable is that many people believe it. Heber J. Grant was another prophet whose life and teachings easily could have led people astray. We quote, Still, 11 general authorities, including Heber J. Grant, fathered 76 children by 27 plural wives during the years 1890 to 1905. Though Grant had children by only one wife after 1890, he pled guilty to a charge of unlawful cohabitation in 1899 and was fined $100 from the Salt Lake Tribune, it says. In addition, he later reportedly sought permission from President Joseph F. Smith to marry Fanny Woolley as a post-manifesto plural wife. Smith refused. Grant's request. So he was still going for yeah, it. He was still going for it. And he became the next president. Uh, That's right. Later on, he became a president. He married three women, by the way. He had three wives, and in, in Heber J. Grant did, and two yeah. of them were sisters. And he married uh, those two sisters, I think, two or three days apart. Wow. But anyway, he was a man who did not want to give up polygamy, even though his church did. So... He led the Mormon people astray, didn't he? he Sounds was, like he could have almost been a fundamentalist. <laughs> does, doesn't yeah. it? And he gave them, by the way, he did give them in false information about how to be saved. He said, and I quote, If you want to know how to be saved, I can tell you it is by keeping the commandments of God, end quote. Okay? Now, if you could do it yourself by obedience, then why did Jesus die on the cross? Why did Jesus say, it is finished? God said that being saved does not come by keeping commandments. Who do we believe? God or Heber J. Grant? God tells us in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Titus 3, 5 and 6, Isaiah 59, 6, and dozens of other places that salvation is not by keeping or doing the works of religious law. It's by grace, through grace, by faith. By grace, through faith. Yeah. Whatever, it's both. Beautiful anyway, message. keeping the commandments could save you if that was true. Jesus Christ died on the cross in vain, and you'll read that in the book of Galatians. Now, let's see if any Mormon apostles, <laughs> we've done the presidents up to Grant. Yeah. So let's if see any if apostles. any Mormon apostles have led people astray. A good one to go to is Orson Hyde, an <laughs> apostle. Of, and this is the 1854 General Conference. They may break us up, route us from place to another, but by and by we shall come to a point where we shall have all the women, and they will have none. You may think I'm joking about this, but I can bring you the truth of God to demonstrate it to you. 
There is more truth than poetry in this, as sure as you live. Now, he's an apostle. <laughs> His words carried a lot of weight, yeah. right? Right. Well, should have. He should've. says this is the truth of God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's going to have all the women. <laughs> and is that what the religion is all about? We get all the women and you don't get any neater, neater, neater? Is that what it's all? What kind of a religion is that? <laughs> and this, would the, would the regular Mormon member know this? No, no, this, I, the normal Mormon member, I don't think, would know this quote. I don't think the normal polygamous <laughs> member would know that quote either. <laughs> no. But the apostles have, they have weight, don't they? Well, sure. I mean, they're, uh, we sustain them as, uh, I don't know, in the polygamy groups, so we sustain them prophets, seers, and revelators. Yeah. So, I mean, they're just, they're just a president of the church waiting to happen. Waiting to happen. Yeah. So, when they say God reveals this to them, then since they're revelators, they're claiming words from well, God. And, and many people believe the apostles actually meet with Jesus on a regular basis, and because he's supposedly the head of the church, and they meet with him, and, and so, yeah, they carry a lot of weight in what they say. So, Except more, book, unless they're dead, of course. Unless they're dead. Well, they might come and meet them anyway. The if they're ones, dead, they yeah. still meet with dead people. But yeah. uh, anyway, it, it, it's so confusing, and it's so anti Biblical. Uh, and Sure. Anyway, the, we get all the women and you don't get any. Well, Mormon and polygamous women should all just together turn their backs on this religion and walk away forever. Uh, and of course, we can't go through every prophet and every sermon to point out all of the contradictions and inconsistencies and the glaring errors and false doctrines. The individual Mormon and polygamy group members should do this themselves, sure. uh, especially since God expects them to. But let's fast forward to the present day leader of the Mormon church, Russell Nelson, and he quotes from the book of Romans, chapter 1, in a talk that he gave at BYU. Now, this is in 1985. Any who are tempted to rake through the annals of history to use truth unrighteously or to dig up facts with the intent to defame or destroy should hearken to this warning of Scripture. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. That's from Romans 1, 17 through 18. And I repeat, the wrath of God is against all who hold the truth in unrighteousness. If he knew what he was saying, he would have been more careful in <laughs> saying it. Because he is holding the truth in unrighteousness. And that is precisely what all of his predecessors are guilty of doing. Here is an example of their holding the truth in unrighteousness. Speaking of apostles, here's Boyd K. Packer. I have a hard time with historians because they idolize the truth. <laughs> that crazy? The truth is not uplifting, it destroys. Historians should only tell that part of the truth that is inspiring and uplifting. Now, is that holding the truth in unrighteousness? And that's an apostle. That's supposedly. an apostle, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Many Mormon historians have come to realize that the leaders cannot be trusted with their own church history. They have been intimidated to keep quiet or excommunicated because they didn't keep quiet. Another quote. Yeah, Michael Quinn quotes this in his book on being a Mormon historian. Um, the tragedy reality 
Tragic reality is that there have been occasions when Mormon church leaders, teachers, and writers have not told the truth they knew about difficulties of the Mormon past, but have offered to the saints instead a mixture of platitudes, half-truths, omissions, and plausible denials. And there you go. And he was another one, by the way, that was excommunicated for telling the truth. Was he one of the seven, the yeah. September 6th mm-hmm. or September 7th mm-hmm. yeah. back in the 90s? Now, examples of plausible denials involving half-truths that he referred to, there's many, many, many years that they completely denied Joseph Smith's uh, using a seer stone instead of translating from the gold plate. They were holding the truth in unrighteousness. They're holding back the truth. Their denial of the extent of Joseph Smith's polygamy. Uh, They're teaching that Jesus and Lucifer are brothers, having been born from a mother and father God. Brigham Young's doctrine of blood atonement and Adam God, and of course withholding their priesthood from the blacks because Mormonism taught they were cursed. That's holding the truth in unrighteousness. And it's not folklore, it's authentic Mormon history taught by all of the early prophets, but today they deny it. That's holding back the truth in unrighteousness. Each Mormon leader and polygamy group leader successfully um, add burden upon burden and doctrine upon doctrine, the result being that today's Mormon churches do not even resemble the original organization as supposedly restored to Joseph Smith. But they don't teach God's grace is sufficient. We never heard about God's love and grace growing up. It was always do, 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 do. You haven't done enough, so do more, do, do, do. It was always that guilt, shame, and all that stuff that goes with it. They don't teach God's grace is sufficient, which is what Jesus said it is. Instead, they indoctrinate their members to believe they have to accomplish the Mormon works. They have levels of salvation where God only has one level. And now, Russell Nelson has decided that Joseph Smith did not fully restore Mormonism after all and has promised that he will provide a progressive restoration. Such deception. He takes advantage of his authority as a Mormon leader and slaps the face of Joseph Smith by claiming there's more restoration to come. All this is in spite of the fact that a restoration was never needed because nothing was ever lost in the first place. We have a great quote about this kind of deception. In my day-to-day dealings with many Mormon people, I have found them to be overall a clean-living, hard-working, generally honest lot. But strangely, when it comes to dealing with controversial aspects of their belief system, I have encountered obfuscation, half-truths, and even deliberate Mendacity. Mendacity. We just talked about that. For a while, I relegated this to just being doctrinally ill-informed. However, as as I researched deeper into Mormon doctrine, I came to see that doctrinal and historical deception is a legacy that reaches all the way back to the first prophet, seer, and revelator, Joseph Smith himself. Now, there's someone who's been doing his homework about his religion or this religion. Their leaders have a history of holding back the truth in righteousness. That includes the Mormon fundamentalists. They are instructed from the cradle to lie for the Lord. It's a privilege to have the opportunity to lie for the Lord. And it should be well known by most Mormons what LDS apostle uh, Boyd K. Packer said in August 1981 as he gave an address at the BY at BYU about being truthful when telling Mormon history. Hmm. In his talk <laughs> titled The Mantle is Far, Far Greater Than the Intellect, 
Packer opines that there are events in LDS history that should be repressed because they are not faith-building. You seminary teachers and some of you institute and BYU men will be teaching the history of the church this school year. Church history can be so interesting and so inspiring as to be a very powerful tool indeed for building faith. If not properly written or properly taught, it may be a faith destroyer. There is a temptation for the writer or the teacher of church history to want to tell everything, whether it is worthy or faith-promoting or not. Some things that are true are not very useful. That historian or scholar who delights in pointing out the weaknesses and frailties of present or past leaders destroys faith. A destroyer of faith, particularly one within the church, and more particularly one who is employed specifically to build faith, places himself in great spiritual jeopardy. He is serving the wrong master, and unless he repents, he will not be among the faithful in the eternities. That is absolutely amazing is, to, really. for a leader to, <clears throat> to talk and say those kinds of things. He is suggesting, of course, that they be selectively dishonest That's right. about their own history. Because what they teach could destroy their, their, their faith. faith. And realizing that if you tell the truth, it may be a faith destroyer. Right. Because people will actually hear the truth. And then he says, some things that are true are not very useful. Right. And I've received many a phone call and an email from viewers who chastise me for doing what I'm doing because I'm destroying faith by telling the truth. And yet you give quotes and, and all references. references. We and always everything. give references, yes, don't always we? Do, yeah. Always give references. Wow. As someone recently said on social media, I love this, I'll probably be using it many times in future shows, he said, Mormonism cannot be true, it contradicts itself and then lies about itself. <laughs> this is a former Mormon said that. Their own Book of Mormon warns that liars will go straight to hell, so why is it okay for them to lie about the most important thing in their world, their own religion? This is the leader's uh, own guilt. The leaders do this. Yeah. They know they're lying. They're carefully plan their deceitful approaches. And this is true of all the polygamy groups. When Nelson decided to change the way his church was to be identified, did he not know that his predecessors identified themselves with the honorable word Mormon? Yeah. He, he's a prophet. He should know that. Now he says using the M word is a victory for Satan. And he's promising a progressive restoration. Does he not know that previous prophets stated that the restoration was complete? He's a prophet. He should know that. But as the Bible says, truth will be stomped to the ground. And Nelson is doing just that. He continues to lead the people astray. This is what he said. If you think the church has been fully restored, you're just seeing the beginning. That's not what church history tells us, something, is it? He said it's something about take your vitamins and get ready and to sit, ride. Yeah, yeah, sit back because it's yeah. going to be a ride or something yeah. like that. But Mormon.org says this. Yeah, this is interesting. In 1820, as he had done throughout history, Father in Heaven again chose a prophet to restore the gospel <laughs> and the priesthood to the earth. He called a young man named Joseph Smith, and through him the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ was restored to the earth. The Apostle Peter prophesied of the restitution of all things before Christ's second coming in Acts 3, 19 through 21. The restoration of Christ's church on the earth has been made available, the, has made available the opportunity for all to once again receive all of the blessings of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And just an aside here before we go further, they misquoted Acts uh, 3, 19 and 21 because it doesn't say before uh, Christ's second coming. Uh, it says he must say, stay in heaven until the restoration of all things. So there's just a little bit difference yeah, in there, true. and it could be construed differently. But at that's any right. rate, according to what he said, both the gospel and the church has been restored. <laughs> has been. The fullness, as, it said. As the fullness, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what is Nelson talking about? Well, as they've already warned, <laughs> a dead prophet is not as important as what the living prophet says. So right. leaving themselves, the people, wide open for every conceivable contradiction and deception. And it's very sad and it's very confusing. Yeah. It simply is not of God. God's truths are eternal, and they do not change. The polygamy groups are just as confusing in this application uh, in the application of their own gospels of salvation, sometimes agreeing with each other, other times diametrically opposed. But our Bible remains the same. The teachings don't change. No. Jesus, who is God, is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and his gospel doctrine hasn't changed. A counterfeit gospel is really no gospel at all. It only serves the purpose of keeping you from the simple truth of God's promise of the gift of eternal life by grace through faith. A full and complete gift purchased for you by Jesus Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago. And you either receive it or you don't. Anything and everything and anyone else is counterfeit. So that's the end of our two-part series on Follow it's the Prophet. It's just fascinating, isn't it? To, and then your, your, your uh, polygamous prophets, they must have had revelations. and They always have revelations. They have said, and, mm -hmm. we, and we probably could go through those and show how they've been it, it's we could themselves. We could, but their information is not as readily available no. to, for public eyeballing yeah. as, right. as the Mormon the churches because they don't publish it. They're, yeah. they're more secretive. Uh, but they um, they do change. Uh, we, I've I've talked to people who were in the polygamy group many many years ago when I was, and they've left since left. But they are so believing in in the original uh, uh, beginnings of the Kingston group. They say it's too bad it's not what it is. It's too bad it's like it is now so it because some. when when they first started it, it was right. Yeah. And I've talked to people from the Harmston group that said the same thing. Same. How can that be? How can how can they change things? And and truth doesn't change. Truth yeah. remains the same. So their current prophets can supersede previous. Yeah. Dead but, but Warren Jeffs, so. of course, he did that big yeah. time, and he published his nonsense. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, you know, thanks, Earl. I do appreciate well, you, do, you. Do a wonderful <laughs> work, Karen. <laughs> Thank you <Doris>. very much. <laughs> Thank you. Praise God that we have the opportunity to share the truth of Jesus to our viewers. You know, the Mormon culture just doesn't understand that it is all about Jesus. Jesus plus nothing and plus no one. The only thing that you or I supply for our salvation is the fact that we are sinners and need to be saved. They tell prospective converts, just read the Book of Mormon prayerfully with an open heart and see if you don't find out it's true. But they won't do that with our Christian literature. We challenge our polygamous and LDS viewers and listeners, just read the Gospel of John prayerfully, asking God to show you the real Jesus as you read. 
It's not about you or me or polygamy. It's not about temples or prophets or priesthood. It certainly isn't about money or tithing. It's all about Jesus and only Jesus. And we do challenge you. Read the Bible. After you're done with the Gospel of John, read the book of Galatians in the same spirit. And if you honestly want the truth, God will show it to you. And you too will discover that it's all about Jesus. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.